I don't know if y'all are clapping for me to be up here, clapping because Alan's not here. I don't know, but either way, I'm glad y'all are happy. I'm glad you're all here. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us, we're so glad that you joined us today. Uh, if you're joining us on live stream, uh, we're glad that you're here also. And uh, for those in the in the church and on live stream, we'd like to make a record of your visit. So uh, if you are a first-time guest or at any point during the service, if there's something that you would like to uh, let us know about if you have any prayer requests, needs, or anything. Please make sure to fill out the, the Connect card, not only in your bulletin, but uh, online. You can uh, access that Connect card by texting CONNECT to 31996. So if you are a first-time guest or you're listening with us and you'd like to fill that out, please don't hesitate to do so. Um, we would, again, like to welcome everybody. We're glad that you're here. And for those of you that missed the video, again, my name is Joseph Baker. I'm the student pastor, and uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be up here uh, to bring the word to you guys. So if y'all would, uh, for myself, I like to do this. I have to. And uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get myself in a good position uh, to deliver the word to you guys. So if you would, just bow with me. We thank you, God, for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be here and... Uh, to just be able to worship in your house. And uh, God, I just pray that you will speak through me. God, use me. Not anything about me, God, but all about you. That if this is the last time today in this moment that you ever use me to deliver your message, God, I pray that it's done in a manner that brings you glory. I pray that it's done in a manner that you get uh, every bit of glory out of it, God, and that you soften every heart. God, open every ear so that we can fully grasp and understand the word that you have set aside for us this morning. And we just thank you for all you do and all you have done, and most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And it's in his name we pray, and everybody said amen. All right, well, guys, this morning um, I'm going to talk to y'all about the widow at Zarephath. Now, I thought about and prayed and thought about and prayed and thought about and prayed for a title of this sermon, and uh, I couldn't come up with one. So I just stuck with what the Bible said, which is the widow at Zarephath. So I hope that's okay. Don't let it uh, alarm you. It's actually uh, going to be good, and it's not just uh, uh, reading scripture. So we're going to go through this. And if you got a bulletin this morning when you walked in, in that you're going to see uh, a few things in there where you can follow along with the points of the sermon. So we're going to jump into it first off with 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 14. And that's uh, 1 Kings 17, 8 through 14. And the first point that we're going to go into is to follow God in obedience. So if you have your, connect, uh, your bulletin, you're going to be following along. That's point number one, follow God in obedience. 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 8, says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So to get you a little get caught up to speed into where we are, Elijah has just been called out of the place where the ravens were feeding him. Right? He, he was told by God, go to this river, set up camp, and I'm going to feed you with ravens. Because he had, Elijah had just prayed to the Lord, send a famine, let there be no rain for the next three and a half years. So that also affects Elijah. So he went to the place God told him to, and I would anticipate that he was there for probably about six months. The reason I say that is because it, the Bible talks about how Elijah was called to go to Zarephath in the city of Sidon once the river that he was camped out had dried up. So I would say it takes about six months for that to happen. I could be wrong. It could have been longer. It could have been shorter. But imagine you're about six months into a three-and-a-half-year famine, and he's been fed by ravens. He's been taken care of the whole time by God. And then God says, you need to go to the city of Zarephath where there's a widow there who's going to take care of you. So that's where you pick up. That's where we are. Imagine uh, being the widow. You're gathering sticks, and you're, you're trying to do all you can because it's been six months of a famine. It's been six months of a drought with no rain. So you're doing all you can just to survive. And you're outside, and you're picking up sticks, and you're gathering, and somebody walks up and says, Hey, woman, get me a, give me something to drink. If I'm picking up sticks because there ain't no, uh, no water, somebody comes up and says, Get me something to drink, I'm probably a little bit frustrated with them. I read in the commentary that they would actually sell water at this point because not many people had it. So Elijah's saying, hey, get me some water, and she didn't say how much you're going to give me. She's a widow, probably needs it. She didn't do that. She said, okay, I'll get you some. And he says, get me something to eat too. And man, if I'm walking to go get water and somebody says, get me something to eat too, I give it one of the, okay, anything else for you, sir? What more do you want? Do you not know that we're in a famine? Do you not know that it's not raining? Do you not know what's going on? But she doesn't. She says, okay, I don't have but a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, and I'm about to make a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat what we can. And then like everybody else, because there's no food and because there's not much water, we're just going to die. But I will take care of you. Right? The point in this is to follow God in obedience. We understand the way we would do it, but you see what the widow did. She does what she does. She takes care of Elijah. She feeds him. She gets in the water. And then the Lord provides a miracle. And he says, because you did this, because you were obedient, because you gave all you had, you will always have meal and you will always have oil until the rain falls again. So she's taken care of, which is a really cool thing and it's a miracle. But, but I want to point out this in your life. I want to make a life application here. This widow gave all she had. She had nothing left. She put the needs of someone else before her own needs, and the Lord rewarded her for it. But how many times have you been in the point in your life, in your situation, wherever you're in, where you just feel like you don't have anything left? Whether you're a dad trying to be a dad to your kids, a husband to your wife, or a brother to, to your siblings, or a son to your parents. Maybe you're being the, the employee to your job. There's so much that you're called to do. And, and sometimes I bet you can just get to the point, I know I have, where you're like, I got nothing left. 
I'm giving all I've got. God, I'm doing everything I can, and I'm being obedient. I'm serving where I can serve. I'm trying to do all I can. Maybe you serve in the church in some facet, and you're, you're giving it all you can. Sometimes it's a struggle to get here. I've got a three-year-old. It takes 20 minutes to get out of the house, and I don't know why. I get it. So if you're here, I'm glad you're here. And you, I, I understand if you walked in and you're going, gosh, I'm just glad to be here, but I don't have much else to offer. I understand that. For those of you who have two and three kids, God help you because I couldn't do it. I had one, and when people ask me why I had one, I'm going to start telling them it was good enough for God, it's good enough for me. All right, I'm done with it. Um, <laughs> but I understand how you can go through uh, the times of just feeling like you don't have anything left. And I want to encourage you in that. Be faithful, all right? Be obedient to God and watch what he does. Now, let's move on in this. If y'all understand that point, we're going to really dig into the meat of this sermon here in just a second. Point number two, wrestle with God in discouragement. Wrestle with God in discouragement. That may seem weird, but I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to get to the point that you're close enough with God that you can work through some of these things. Y'all watch, 1 Kings 17, and we're going to go into now verses 15 through 20. 15 through 20. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse. And finally, he died. And then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms. He carried him up the stairs to the room and he, where he was staying. And he laid the body on his bed. And then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy, tragedy to this woman who has opened her home to me by causing her son to die? Wrestle with God in the discouragement. And most of the time, you're probably going to be discouraged in this moment because you were so obedient the rest of the time. This woman did all she knew to do. She gave all that she had. She fed Elijah. She gave him water. She was obedient with the last, and God provided, and now her son's dead. What? Really? Thanks. Am I the only one that ever feels that way? That you look at God sometimes and you go, I'm doing what I can do. I'm trying. I'm giving it my all. And you still allow these things to happen? What is going on here? Why? The widow says, hey, Elijah, why did you do this? Why did you come here? Did you come to call out my sins and then cause my son to die? Why? And then Elijah, feeling the same thing, takes the son and then calls out to God, why did you allow this, their son, to be dead? Why did you allow that to happen to the widow who opened her home to me whenever I was in need? God, why? I would encourage you, if you're going through something, don't hesitate. Take this the right way. Don't hesitate to say, God, why? If you're thinking it, he knows it. But a lot of the times when you ask God why, you'll find the answer. A lot of the times when you start to wrestle with God and you're in that moment, you can't seem to figure it out and you start digging in going, God, I don't understand. Eventually, you'll get to the point that you can figure it out. 
In our lives, I think we want to ask God this so many times. We believe that everything's supposed to be great. We believe that if we're serving God, we're not going to have tragedy. We're not going to have hardship. We're not going to have heartache. But that's, that's kind of quite the opposite. Usually whenever you're digging into God and you're being faithful and obedient to God, that's whenever He allows the test and the trial to come in to shape you and to mold you and to burn away the things that are not of Him so that He can draw you even closer. Because when things are good, things are good. But when things are bad, where's God? He's always there, but where is He in our heart? Or we're the ones that go, mm, God, why? Whenever really He's going, just hang in there because I'm, I'm putting you where I need to be. How many of y'all know what a threshing floor is? I actually need a show of hands. And if every student in here doesn't raise your hand, I'm going to be mad because I taught y'all this a few weeks ago. And they're all like, whoop, yep, that's me, got it. Uh, okay, I'm going to teach you what a threshing floor is. A threshing floor is something that is created. It's usually made out of concrete or stone, and it's really large. And whenever grain or wheat grows, inside the, well, I'm going to try to explain this right. Wheat grows. The wheat itself is what it is. The grain you're trying to get to in the wheat is surrounded by a hard substance called chaff. All right? This chaff is a, it's like a shell thing that holds the grain inside of it. In order to get to the grain, that hardness has to be broken off. The way this happens is they will take all the wheat that they get, they'll throw it on the threshing floor, they'll spread it out on this big concrete thing, and they'll squish it, and they'll break it. They'll break off all the hard to get to the grain. Okay? Y'all got that? Everybody say amen if you got it. Got it. Okay, at least 80% of you got it. We're good. Um, let me teach you this. In the pictures of ancient Roman method of threshing grain, one man is always seen stirring up the sheaves while another rides over them um, in a crude cart equipped with rollers instead of wheels. So when you're threshing wheat, it's spread out. There's a man with a, a, a thre threshing fork, kind of like a pitchfork, and he will scoop it and flip it. And he'll scoop it and flip it. And what he's doing is he's turning everything. He's getting it to where it can continually be crushed. So while this dude's flipping it, you got another guy going through crushing it. The way that they would crush it was with this machine that was equipped with rollers. These rollers had sharp stones and rough bits of iron that were attached to the cylinders to help separate the husk, the hard part, the chaff, from the grain. This simple cart was called a tribulum. A tribulum. So they would run over the game with a, uh, the grain with a tribulum in which we get our word tribulation. When, the great when a great affliction comes to us, we often think of ourselves as being torn to pieces under the cruel pressures of adverse circumstances. Yet, as no thresher has ever got on his tribulum just for the mere purpose of tearing up the sheaves, just for the mere purpose of riding around on all the junk, riding around on all the wheat, no guy has ever got on to do that. He actually gets on his tribulum to disclose the precious grain or to remove the chaff from the grain. And so our loving Savior never puts us under the pressure and sorrow and disappointment of tribulation needlessly you will never face a tribulation that is pointless he won't just run over you for no reason god will allow things to happen and he will allow testing to come and he will allow you to be put on the threshing floor and he will allow the chaff to be broken off of you to get to the grain 
Again, no thresher has ever just got up and threshed a floor with no grain in it. He's never just ran over it for the fun of it. So it's okay to ask God why, because there is a purpose. There is something coming out of this. Billy Graham puts it this way. The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. You see, we have this picture that that Christian life, as long as we're obedient, is going to be good and God's going to bless and He's going to make sure we're taken care of. And He will. He will bless you. He will take care of you. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be tribulation. That doesn't mean there's not going to be trials. That doesn't mean there's not going to be hardship that enters your life. Why? Because if everything was roses, you would stay like a piece of wheat. We don't need the wheat. We need the grain. He's got to break you down to get to the good stuff. He's got to break you down to get you to the core of who He needs you to be. Throughout the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to speak with several church members that were going through different situations and events in their life. Some of them were rough, some of them were very difficult, and some of them were just going through a straight struggle because of something that happened. I don't want to disclose any information that I shouldn't, and I will do my best not to, and I will not say any names. However, there was one individual who lost a family member. And it, it was a situation to where the family member the family member passed, and as I talked to him and I was talking to him and talking to him about it, they talked about how it was difficult. And not so much difficult that the individual was gone because it was better, but difficult in the why. Difficult in saying, God, I don't get it. And this individual said she's been told, well, in all things, praise God. In all things, praise God. And she told me, she said, I don't want to. I don't feel it. It's just not there. I know God's worthy to be praised. I know He's good. I'm having a hard time getting there. And I encouraged this individual. I said, well, keep going. Take that and run with it. I may be telling you different than what some pastors may tell you, but I'm telling you to take that and run with it because I think sometimes in even questioning God and even talking to God as to why and dealing with the, I know you're worthy to be praised, but I don't feel it right now. I think you're still putting him on the throne of your life because you're acknowledging the fact that he is holy. In dealing with it and not turning your back on him, you're still praising him. That may seem very strange to some, but I think as long as you're still putting God on the throne and you're saying, I know you are, but I don't feel it, I think you're still putting him in that place. You're saying, God, I don't get this. You're still good. I don't feel like praising right now. And I think he understands that. The reason I think he understands that is because whenever Lazarus died, Jesus himself, who was flesh, got to the tomb and began to cry. He began to weep. And I bet at that moment he didn't go, God, thank you that Lazarus is dead. I think he knew what was coming. He continued to have God in his life, but I think it still broke him that Lazarus was gone. It's okay to be broken in the moment whenever something doesn't seem right, whenever something hurts you. You can be broken. You can hurt and still have God in your, at the throne of your life. I don't know many people who praise God, like praise the fact that this thing happened. 
But I do know people who wrestle through that circumstance and never quit praising God through the way they handle it. Does that make sense? Let's jump into the third point right here. 1 Kings 17, 21 through 23. 1 Kings 17. This is the remainder. The last point in this is praise God in the revival. Praise God in the revival. And he stretched himself. This is Elijah. He stretched himself out over the child three times. And he cried out to the Lord, Oh my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned. And he revived. And then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And that in itself is a miracle. That's like, oh, wow, that's great. That is awesome. You know, she was obedient. The son died. She went through the tribulation. But there was a point in it. It, it. it got her to the point that her son was alive. And we see what happens. But let me tell you something cool. That is, that is the first instance that I see recorded in Scripture. That is the very first time someone was raised back to life that was dead. You say, well, what does that matter? Imagine being the widow that your son just died and imagine being Elijah. Elijah going, he's dead. I need God to do something he's never done before. I need a miracle to happen in this moment that's never happened before. And he didn't just go, God, this child's dead. What are we going to do? No, without knowing what God could do, without knowing what God would do, because again, it's never been done before. He picks up the child who, as my brother-in-law pointed out, was probably a very young child because he was able to carry him. And he picks up this child and he lays him on the bed and he says, God, I don't know what to do. Why did you cause this widow's son to die? You've, I, 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 I'm going to lay on him. God, three times I'm going to ask you, God, please bring this son back to life. Revive him. Bring him back to life. Revive him. God, we need you. Bring him back to life. Revive him. I don't know what I'm asking you to do because you've never done it before. But I know there's a need and God, I'm trusting you. And God did what he's never done before. He provided a miracle that's never been recorded in Scripture. What situation are you going through where you need to just lay down and go, God, I know I, I don't know what's going on. I know I need it. I know I need your help, but I don't really know what you can do. God, I don't really know what's going to fix this, but I need a miracle that maybe it's never happened before in my life. I need a miracle that's never happened before on this earth, God. I need you to provide a way that's never been provided before. And when you think about it, the Red Sea was never parted until it was parted. There was never a, 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 a woman who was a virgin who born a child until it happened there was never a kid who was raised to life until it happened what situation in your life do you need a miracle for that has never happened yet that God can provide think about this it's more than just a death and a life thing this is a working God who has his hand in the midst of everything that we do and if you just say God I'm obedient I'm trying and I don't understand it and I don't get it but I need this thing I believe that God can and will show up in your life Wrestle with God in the discouragement, but then praise Him in the revival. And it may not be that somebody's getting raised back to life. Don't, don't, don't misread what I'm saying and praise Him in the revival. Praise Him in the revival of every situation. What was dead that God can bring back to life. If it's your marriage that was dead, ask God to do something He's never been able to do before. 
and praise Him when the marriage is revived. If it's your finances, praise Him when your finances are revived. If it's, a, if it's just a, a work situation and you've lost your job but you need another one, praise Him whenever your job is revived. Y'all see this? In every situation, God can revive and, and pray that He does so. I'm going to give you a, an illustration. This is a beach ball. Just a normal old beach ball that came in a pack of six and was a precursor. Not a precursor. My wife ended up, I told her, I said, I need a beach ball for Sunday. And being a good wife, she went in and she bought beach balls. But she bought 24 12-inch beach balls, which did me no good. So we had to buy these. And apparently beach balls, you can't just buy one. So I now have six beach balls. So if anybody needs one for the summer, let me know because we've got an overabundance of them. Um, and we have a, a bunch of little ones. So this is a beach ball. In itself, it doesn't look like much. But in itself, it is what it is. It's inflated. It's a beach ball. It floats. Check it. Make sure it works. All right. Throw it back to me. Does it work? That's a beach ball, right? Imagine this being your life. Or imagine this being a circumstance in your life. You're inflated. Everything's good. Everything's great. But then maybe little circumstances happen that come in and slowly poke holes in your life. They just start to just tear you down little by little. Maybe it's sin that's entered. Maybe it's hardship that's entered. Maybe it's just little things. But you're like, oh, well, they're little things. I can take it. My faith can cover those. My faith can hold the little things. Now, it's a little bit more deflated than it was. Check it now. Is it a little, little bit more deflated? It's because we poked little holes in it, right? This is still your life, and it's still your situation. You're making it. But what happens whenever the big situation happens? What happens whenever somebody in your life passes away? What happens whenever the struggle comes? Test it now. Eh, It's starting to deflate pretty good now. It's not looking like a normal beach ball anymore. If this was your life, you're running out. You remember at the beginning I said when you don't feel like you have much to offer? Well, take your faith... Cover it up. Allow your faith to do what it does. And in that moment of faith, reach out to the one who gives life and gives breath. And see that your faith, when put with God, does not fill you back up. See that your life will not be as strong as it was before. Now, granted, the holes are still there. They're still here. The big thing still happened. But you're still as full as you were. That may be minuscule. It may be minor. But it was a way for me to put a visual to the fact that your faith is going to play a big part into how you continue to make it through your life. Fight through the struggles. Wrestle with God. Understand that when little things happen, 
Your faith can cover them through God. And understand that when the, when the big things happen, when your life just gets what you feel like torn to pieces, understand that you're going through the tribulation. You're, you're put on the threshing floor with more in mind and that you're going to make it through it. It may be hard, but you're going to make it through it. One of my favorite sets of scripture is this, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. It says, this is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. And if we deny him, he will deny us. We're going to stop right there and I want to walk you through this. Those are cause and effect scriptures. There's truth in that. That is a cause and effect. Y'all watch. If we die with him, meaning if we do something, if we lay down our life with Christ, the reward is we live with him, the cause and the effect. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Y'all follow that? Cause and effect. The thing I does has an adverse reaction. But in verse 13, you see it's something a little bit different. In verse 13, it says, if we are unfaithful, God is faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny who he is. If we're unfaithful, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Put your situation, put your circumstance in the moment and go, God, I messed this up. I botched it. I kicked it. I did a terrible job at it. I was unfaithful in this. God, it was a sin that entered my life. It was my family that I messed up. It was my job that I screwed up. It was every single situation in my life that I had something to do with. God, I was unfaithful in it. But God blows you back up and He says, even though you were unfaithful, I am still faithful for I cannot deny who I am. And when you need something, you turn to me because I will not waver. I'm not a shifting shadow. I remain faithful for I can't deny who I am. So when you need the miracle, when you need the thing, when you need something to change in your life, turn to God and go, God, I need you to be faithful because I can't seem to do it. And the answer will always be yes. He will always take care of you. Now at this point, I'd like to just ask everyone in here, just bow your head, close your eyes. This is going to be a time of invitation. It's going to be a time in the, in the service where we're going to have counselors up at the front of the room to your left and your right. And if you're watching on live stream and you're joining us, if you've made a decision, if there's something going on in your life, if you need prayer, please go online, text CONNECT to 31996, fill out that CONNECT card, make sure that you talk to us. If you have a prayer request, we will make sure that that gets prayed for. If you have a decision you've made where you've accepted Christ or you just need to speak with a pastor or a staff member at Lindsay Lane, please make sure that you fill out that CONNECT card. And if you're in here in the service with us and you're just going through something, and you can say, man, I'm just dealing with something. We're going to give you a time in just a moment to respond to that and to seek uh, counseling, to talk with somebody, to get that taken care of. But I would do a disservice if at this time in the service I do not at least present the gospel to you. And if you were lost and you were in a dying state, that you have the opportunity to come to know Christ. 
You see, everybody born who uh, who's been born on this earth has sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And he is faithful. And he has uh, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to be nailed hands wide, feet down to the cross for our sin. He sent his son into the world to live a perfect life so that you could gain perfection and he would take on our sin to die a death of a criminal so that you could be born again into eternal life. And if you're out there and you can say, I don't know that I've ever really understood that story. I don't know that I really know who Jesus is. or I don't know that in my life specifically, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and been washed from all of my sins. Now is a perfect time to get that done. Again, we have counselors up at the front of the room that will take care of that for you. We can explain Christ to you. We can make sure that you know who Jesus is and make sure that you will gain eternal life. And also, if you are out there and you're struggling with something, we want to help you. We want to take care of you. So at this time here in just a moment, if you have one of those things that you need to take care of, whether it's your salvation or just going through something that you need to, uh, to talk with someone about, wrestle with God with something, I encourage you at this time, stand up, walk to the front. We have a private room that we'll put you in. Nobody will know it's you. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. This is just a moment for you, a moment for you to be able to respond to God. So if there's anyone, you're more than welcome to come to the front. Nobody's looking around, and we have counselors ready for you. And if for any reason today you don't get up and you need to, if you didn't move but you needed to, we have another opportunity for you, another way. In your bulletin when you walked in this morning, you should have received a a Connect card in that bulletin. Please fill that out. I understand if you don't want to get up, if you feel a little embarrassed, that's cool. Make sure that you fill that out. If you've made a decision for Christ, you need to talk with someone, or you have a prayer request, man, fill that out. Fill out the Connect card and drop it in the bucket in the back as you leave. We want to make sure that we minister to you. That's what North is. We're here for our church, for the community. We want to be able to minister to you in the way that Christ would. And again... If you're watching from live stream, we're glad that you joined. And we do hope that uh, you fill out the connect card if you need to. We'll make sure to reach out to you. God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity and pray that you will do what you do, God, that you took this word, you maybe touched someone with it, God, that you you allowed it to sink into the heart of somebody so that we can see when we go through a struggle, we go through a situation, God, you are God, you are good, and you can and will supply every need that we have, every moment that we need you, you're there. It doesn't mean we don't get thrown on the threshing floor. It doesn't mean we don't go through the tribulation. It doesn't mean we don't go through the hardship, God. But we do know that at the end of it, there is Christ to gain. And I just pray that you will let that sink in and resonate to every individual in this room and everyone watching on the live stream. God, we thank you for this opportunity. And we just pray that you will bless us and keep us safe in our coming and our going. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.